0: Good morning, and welcome to yet another edition of South Florida Sundays. I'm your host Trey Brazier, along with my co-host, Mr. Patrick Franklin from the Urban League Palm Beach County. Good Patrick, morning, how's Trey. It going? Morning. Great, Good morning. great. Good morning.
1: Good morning. It's always a pleasure to be here on a Sunday morning with you. And uh, today we have a special guest. All right. Um, early on, before he gets started in his in his Sunday routine. I have Reverend Gerald Kisner here from Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church. All right. Reverend, good morning. Morning. Good
0: morning. Good morning, both of you. Good to be here. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, sir. Um, For those of you who don't know, introduce yourself to those who may not know you, which are very few. (laughs) well,
0: Thank you. Uh, I'm the pastor of Tabernacle Church, as uh, uh, Mr. Franklin mentioned. We're going into our 130th year Mm -hmm. of service here in uh, Palm Beach County. Uh, We have been involved in education for many years and community activities for many years. Uh, We've built houses. We've developed a uh, community educational center. We've been involved in helping with a health clinic in the area. And so we've had a long tradition. Many of our members have been involved in educational efforts and I've been fortunate enough to be the pastor for these past 28 years.
1: It's been 28 uh, yeah, years now. Yeah, yeah, time
0: flies. 28
1: years. <laughs> I, 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 I was. I was going to put you somewhere around 18, 19, yeah, but 28 yeah. years. Congratulations, sir. Yeah, yeah,
0: the Lord has been good. Absolutely. Yeah, and the people have been good.
1: Right. And you know, you've been doing this for 28 years, but you had a life before this. Yes. Y- yes. You. You were a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. You were practicing. <laughs> you were yeah, doing all those things. Yeah, yeah. Just, just give the, give the community just a little input to say who Reverend Kisner was before he came to Tabernacle. Yeah,
0: I, I, I was fortunate enough to practice law for many, many years. I was also the deputy general counsel of HUD in Washington, D.C. Didn't uh, know that. Did that, yeah. And uh, then it was in private practice, uh, was able to be a prosecutor at one point, uh, then represent a lot of developers, And just had a a very um, diverse legal career, and uh, then the Lord kind of got in there. (laughs) So when did you know that you had the calling for the ministry? Well, Patrick, that's an interesting question, which I I haven't shared with a lot of people, but it's something that I grappled with for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And in our tradition, we have kind of what is a mystical calling, And, and I had, over the years, grappled with it and, and kept saying, no, this is my imagination, it's not my mm-hmm. I mind." Mean. But I had certain things that happened that led me in those latter years to really believe that the Lord was trying to call me. And in fact, after one particular experience, I ran in to see my pastor, uh, Reverend Dr. E.T. Cavendish up in Cleveland, Ohio, and he shared with me that he and my mother— Had been having this conversation for twenty years. Wow! About me and ministry. Wow! And so I think I was probably in my forties or so. And he said, "Look, you've been running from this thing. You you got to come on in the fold." Wow! Yeah,
1: unbelievable. Twenty-eight years as a pastor, and you know, a lot of people don't understand that uh, unless you started from the very beginning, you had another life, you had other things going on. How how do you see the the correlation between the legal background? In the ministry, is there a correlation there? Well, I
0: think so. Uh, in in the early church, uh, there were some lawyers and lawyers. If you look in Scripture, they don't get a really good good rating. They, they they many scholars say they were the Pharisees and they were always okay. trying to jug Jesus and catch him trapping him in legal questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things for me, uh, having gone to law school before I went to seminary, and there was a, a break in many years. But it was, uh, the challenge wasn't as great because I had been in law school, and so with my three years of seminary, law had helped me. Mm-hmm. What law has done for me in the ministry, and, and I don't try to practice law. I, had, I have to always tell my members, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Go go get a lawyer. But I know when we need a lawyer, and it has given me in, in my pastoral role when I can see there's a legal issue and when we really need to be involved and mm-hmm. I can advise my parishioners. No, this is something you probably need to have a lawyer go Right. Uh, and not me because I don't practice law anymore.
1: <laughs> I, I I hear you. I, I I practice law on Thursday afternoons from four o'clock to five o'clock.
0: <laughs> unauthorized <laughs> practice. Unauthorized by myself in my office. Sorry. <laughs> that
1: that that's that, that's yeah, about that's yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears for for a second. And you know we've we've come through, and for some they're still suffering through the pandemic yes. and COVID. But we came through a period of time, and you and I were together on, on a lot of these things. But we faced COVID in a different way. Mm-hmm. The Tabernacle, the Urban League, um, we had to address the needs yeah. of, of people. How did you address the needs of your congregants and your church? How did you, yeah. how did you meet their needs, and, and what were their needs? Well,
0: one of the things that we found out, and we were quite fortunate, we had a pretty good audiovisual ministry in place, and we knew we had to do something that would keep us connected and i know various uh, organizations did it through the telephone and and that and for us that wouldn't have worked you know we're visual people mm-hmm. want to yes, see stuff yes. and so what we would do we would tape our services on a monday and it was really hard preaching to an empty church. Mm-hmm. But then we put it up on Sunday, and we put in uh, the songs and all that. W- and w-
1: was it all audio or audio and? Vi- and, and it, it was and audio-visual. It, audio-visual, yeah, okay. We, we,
0: we did that so that they could go on YouTube mm-hmm. or on our Facebook page, and they could actually see Good. me and, and uh, what was going on. Uh, But the church was empty. Yes. And uh, so that was one way to try to keep people connected. Then through our Bible studies and our prayer and praise, we did that virtual. Thank God for Zoom. Mm -hmm. We were able to do that. But the other needs we provided uh, vaccines uh, in conjunction with the health clinic across the street. Uh, We had a major drive to uh, give out the vaccines. Uh, we we continued uh, to give out uh, turkeys during the holiday season, and we mm-hmm. tried to deal with those physical needs. And even with our breakfast program, while we didn't have people coming in the church, we would provide hot meals for them to take outside, and we, we would do it that way. And so we just tried to be available, and we encouraged people to go get their vaccinations. And when all the crazy talk was going on around about don't take the vaccine and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, we mm-hmm. were trying to say— listen to the science, follow what the scientists are saying, which was to get your vaccinations. And we felt coming from the pulpit, that might have some sway. Right. So that's how we tried to get through that whole thing.
1: Did you feel during, during, the, during, that, during the pandemic, did the black church and other pastors follow that path?
0: Some did and some didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, many just shut down completely and didn't do anything. Right. Um, as I say, some tried to do a little phone ministry uh, I know uh, several churches that I know they would people could call in and they'd have their prayer services and they'd actually have actually a church service by the phone. Now, that's very cumbersome, but but they mm-hmm. at least had some kind of connection. Uh, others just kind of shut down and uh, really didn't do a whole lot of anything. It just kind of went in a shell, which I, I thought was not a good thing to right. do. Because as I've told many people, we've got a different model now since we've been doing— Virtual and, and and live stream.
1: So now you're in a, in, a, in a hybrid. Uh, yeah, we're a hybrid now. We're open
0: right. and we had all the protocols and everything. But there's some folk that got used to the virtual, and they're not going to be coming to church except for the big events. Understand? And, and sometimes yes. Sometimes, so that 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 model is going to have to change, and and the church has got to really kind of adapt to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel that other churches in the community? Um, have the ability or capabilities of making that transition into a hybrid-type environment? Or have you seen that from other, from other colleagues?
0: A few, yes, uh, because it really takes—now, uh, the bigger churches, obviously, because it's expensive, you got to have the equipment and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to do that. Uh, you got to make that pivot because you're not going to have people coming every Sunday like they used to. Now, if you're a mega church, you can take a hit like that. But for most of us, well, most
1: mega churches been been doing that prior <laughs> yeah. to.
0: Yeah, and if you lose you lose thirty percent of your population, that doesn't really hurt you that badly. But for us. You lose 30%. That's a significant yes. uh, hit. But I think if we keep the the live streaming going, and then on the red-letter events, you get people. For example, we had the AKAs in for about a month ago. The church was packed out, mm-hmm. packed out, pink and green everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> and uh, that's how it used to be on a regular basis. And I have, I have to keep telling folk, don't be discouraged. People will come back for certain events. And even those folk who feel... They want that fellowship. They'll come anyway. But there'll be a whole lot of folks. I mean, you can just lay around in your pajamas, watch two or three services. right? As long as you send your tithes and offerings in, then you say, hey, this is the way it is.
1: I've met my my requirements there. Um, Let's switch gears a little little bit more. Historically, the black church has been the bellwether, has been the central point during the Civil Rights era. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to me a a little bit of of the position that, that... I'm not not pain, but Tabernacle played in that early civil rights era. I mean, because our, our history is, is is what we know, yeah. basically. But um, you know, historically across the country, the black yeah. church has been that centerpiece during, during the civil rights er- well, era.
0: Yeah, we've always been engaged, and when you go back to Dr. King, and the movement was led by pastors for the most part. Yes, uh, our church. Uh, remember, I, I only came to West Palm in 1995. So some of the previous history I've just had to hear from other people, but I know that there was still segregation in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, coming from Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, that was like, what? Totally different. Yeah. But our church was in the forefront. We had uh, U.B. Kinsey, who was just an icon in the educational area and really fought to have equal pay for Black teachers to get the same salary that white teachers were getting, right. uh, and so he did that. And out there, are other your your former head of the Urban League, who Percy Lee. Percy Lee. Uh, there are many icons in those early days here in Palm Beach County that fought for the, for those kind of rights, and but undergirding all of it was the church, the church. As, as a spiritual kind of thrust behind it.
1: Do you do you see the church in the modern day civil rights era, which we're in right now? What role do you see the the, the black church playing in this, I would say, social media type civil rights movement that's going on? Well,
0: and, and, well, it's interesting because the uh, Washington Post did a series of articles about a year or so ago about the black church and what was happening. And there are a lot of challenges. Uh, there does not seem to be the same fire that you had when you went with the Montgomery Boy, bus boycott, and the sit-ins, and all of that, uh, because many of the older folk have gone on to their their rest. Yes, and young well folk, deserved, <laughs> well deserved, yeah. A lot of young folk are are falling away from the church and, and, and are not really engaged to the extent that the forefathers were. And so it's a real challenge. What we've tried to do, we are a registrar for voters. Uh, we can register voters. We try to push voting uh, and and uh, being registered and all of those things because uh, the, the battle is not over. And when we look at what's happening in Tallahassee with that governor of ours all right, our guest this week is Reverend Kissner from the Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church here for South Florida Sundays. I'm Trey Brazier with Patrick Franklin from the Urban League, Palm Beach County.
1: So let let's go back to our young folks. Um this generation that, that we have going on right now is blazing their own their own path, ba- uh basically. And when you look at the two the two young men who stood up in Tennessee and, you know, really took that charge yeah, to the, I, 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 the, the, the two Justins. Yeah. And we look at that. And to me personally, that gives, I that gives me hope for the future yeah. to say that two young men stood up and said, I will not be disallowed here. Yeah. Okay. For, for whatever yeah. the rules are for, for yeah. going forward. But we, we as older individuals, we, we see the young folks not engaged. One of my biggest issues right now is that our young folks aren't voting at the level that yep. we need them to be engaged in it. They're not participating. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I don't know why. I mean, any any thoughts on that? Yeah.
0: I, I mean, part of it is some misconceptions, I think, in my humble opinion. one of them, When we were out trying to do voter registration, some of the young people we would run into, they'd say, well, why should we vote? It's not going to make a difference, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy because yes. if you don't vote... That's it, exactly it, what the <laughs> other side wants exactly you to do. exactly what they want you to Disengage. do. Disengage. Disengage and trying to help them to see there is a direct result of not voting, and there is one in voting. Uh, back in the day, I, I was privileged enough to work in Carl Stokes' administration, the first mm-hmm. black mayor of a major city, and it was exciting because this was first. And so people were fired up. There were a lot of young people. And so what we've got to do, I think, today is try to uh, push through the largest or the or the, or the lackadaisical nature that we see with a lot of our young blacks who are engaged in other stuff, hip hop, which is not bad, but right. you know they're into other things. And they don't feel that uh, political stuff. But politics, whether you're engaged or not, is going to impact you.
1: I know um, when when I was growing up, and in, in, even though I grew up in Baton Rouge, I was in New Orleans mm-hmm. quite a bit, um, and going through that era where uh, Dutch Morial was, oh, yeah. was was the, was the first black mayor of, of New Orleans, and that that enthusiasm and that that just power that that was existed throughout the city young and old yeah, it it, it yeah. didn't make a difference. they had they were looking for that come together that participation and it was so evident back back then to mm-hmm. see that i don't see that now uh, you, you know no. as far as I, I was reading in in our um the returns from last march's um returns on on elections 11 12 13% we yep. uh, turnout. turnout yep. We can't function like that, okay? And and you know that that that's going to be the we are we are really threatened to repeat bad times if, if if we don't engage. But um, how 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 can the church play a role in really? I, I I know we've talked about what role can the church play as far as you talked about registration we we got to try to bring these these young people to to the booth, uh, to the voting booth, really, to to cast a ballot.
0: Well, I think uh, pastors have to just keep talking from the pulpit, the importance. And it's a social justice ministry. Um, You know, in my view, uh, Jesus was about social justice. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it's about social justice. And it knows no party. It's Mm -hmm. just about... Making sure that the, the poor are taken care of, that the, the hungry are fed, that the, the homeless can find a place to live. And these are social justice issues. And we've got to somehow excite young people to get engaged in it. Unfortunately, many are, are, are off on other tangents. Um, they may be doing well. And they just get comfortable and they say, well, I don't want to get engaged. Well, they don't, don't see need... the struggle. They, they, yeah, they, they, they don't see the need to no. engage because
1: they, they, they're not struggling. I they they go right. they, they into a different thing.
0: We have to tie the church to show that it's not just on Sunday talking about heaven, but it's on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what do we do on earth? Yes. How do we make the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? And I think if we can keep hitting, and it's not an easy, uh, easy, easy task. No, no, yeah. not,
1: not at all. Um, you've marched with me. Over the years, on several different yeah. occasions, and and um, really looked at that a, 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 as a as a way to protest. Do you see marching as as the, the still viable way to engage the, um, our residents who want to voice their
0: opinion? Well, it's tricky. Uh, protests, I think, can take many forms. Obviously, in the streets, uh, people it, it becomes. Uh, public, there's media coverage and all of that, and and it raises. I think it highlights an issue, but there has to be more than that. I mean, mm-hmm. that may just highlight the issue, but you got to vote, you got to press in the corridors, you got to get these. Right now, when you have a supermajority in Tallahassee of Republicans who are following the Trumpian law, it's difficult because we don't have any way that we can can, right. can handle it. So that means you got to vote out a lot of people. But in the meantime, you got to just keep holding up the issue in front of people so that they realize there's hope, that they don't give up. That's the worst thing, to think that there's nothing that can be done, so I'm not going to do anything.
1: That's right. You know, um, I I'll always say that education is is the best elixir to inform people and to upgrade to upgrade. A, and you've got to start population. young, gotta young start people, young.
0: young, I mean, elementary school. you got to start getting them exposed so that they can, like those two young uh, legislatures in Tennessee. That's what we need, those kind of young folk who say, the struggle's not over, and, and unless we speak up, open up our mouths, say something, go to the ballot box, and do a, be engaged in trying to do things that will help uh, enhance our people's way of living, like what you all are trying to do at the Urban mm-hmm. League, mm-hmm. and not depend totally on government, what we can do ourselves. Like, you know, our ancestors, they did a lot of self-help. They came together to help one another. we got to go back to that model.
1: What do you see the role of the black church in the future?
0: Well, it's going to be interesting because, as you know, the the common plea with young folk is, and you hear this all the time, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, (laughs) which I've always thought that was interesting. But what I think they're saying is that they believe in a higher power, but they just don't want all the rigmarole that goes with the dogma that's so often in religious institutions, like women can't sit here, men can't do that, you can't touch that. They don't want to be engaged in that. They want a true raw relationship with, with the higher power, if mm-hmm. you will. And so I think when young people are saying, we don't want the hypocrisy that goes on in the church. For example, women weren't allowed to do certain things. And right. You may recall years ago I made women deacons that made the front page of the community, uh, yes. the Palm Beach Post, and and, and, and other uh, pastors were getting heat from their members saying, well, you know, here's got women right. deacons. In there. and And my thing was how can women in the back room handle the implements right. but they can't handle it out front in front crazy right and in my humble opinion again misappropriation of scripture uh, the scriptures are inclusive and paul had women around jesus had women who were engaged as disciples and somehow in the church we've not treated women right we've not treated other genders right and we're supposed to be inclusive and jesus promulgated a love ethic And too often in the church, we set up these barriers. Folk are afraid to come in because if you're not tied up, tied down, suited up, we don't want you. Well, that's not the real church. That's not the real
1: church. Yeah. Yeah. Come as you are.
0: Come as you are. If you want to get tied, great, because we had some—I had a lady. She wore her hat no matter what. Even on the days when she sang in the choir, she didn't wear it in the choir stand, but she carried it. She carried it. And when she got back out in the audience, she put her hat back on. Reverend Gerald Kisner is our guest this week for South Florida Sundays. He, of course, is uh, the pastor at the Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church. Of course, Patrick Franklin, the president and CEO of the Urban League Palm Beach County. And I'm Trey Brazier here for South Florida Sundays.
1: Let's continue this conversation. And when you talk about um, being inclusive and when we talk about um, DE&I and what's going on on today, you know, we've been— preaching at the Urban League of Diversity Inclusion for years for years and just as we take these steps forward we have a not only in Florida but across the country mm-hmm. now a wave going around trying to bring us back how 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 do we combat that
0: well i preached a sermon on that i preached it, it was called de and i are not dirty words mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so uh, I was trying to help folk who were in, in service and all folk who were watching it on, on, on YouTube that, uh, you know, diversity, inclusivity, and equity are not dirty words. Right. And so you've got a whole group of folk who are acting primarily out of fear who are reacting in a reactionary way to try, try to turn the clock back. And we can't allow that to happen. We can't. We can't allow that to happen.
1: We we can't. I mean, I, I, I think people need to understand that the more diverse we are. Look, this country was built on diversity. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, all the immigrants that came to this country, all, all the people who are fighting against it right now. If you look at their ancestry, yep. they they came here to find freedom, to to, to 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 be included, yeah. and you know we, we were. Uh, we weren't brought here. We, we we didn't come here because we wanted to, right. but but yeah. the majority of the the majority of the majority were okay. But at the same time, we don't have a we don't have a space to turn back, and not not, not oh, with wow. diversity, equity, and inclusion being the mantra of who we are. Especially after George Floyd, I think we took a big step forward. And what inspired me after George Floyd was the number of young folks yes who came who, who came out. Yeah. But not black young folks. Yeah. It was the white young folks who came out to say, I am not going to take this any longer. Yeah. Okay. Those are things that that, that inspired me and, and, and make us look forward to say, what is tomorrow going yeah. to look like? And, you know, we, we, we as a community, we elect officials. But the bottom line is the officials need to represent all of us. Absolutely. Okay. Uh,
0: and and, and it has to be that way. It has to be a sharing. It has to be a coming together because God created all of us wonderfully and fearfully made in God's image. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, at our uh, seven last words service that we always have has become a tradition and we have mixed. And I always tell the audience I said, this is a great dress rehearsal for if there is a heaven, what heaven's going to be about. No black heaven, no white, no heaven, white heaven, no Muslim, no, no Jewish No heaven. red, no, no blue. No, yeah. it's all yes. God's children. And so uh, we have got to get back to that point that we're a society made up of human beings. And they are bad human beings, bad white folk, bad black folk, but we're all, there's good there's intelligence. It's all no one race, and because white privilege and white racism has reared its ugly head, there's a sense that we're losing something. Well, you you, you never really had you never it. Never really had it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it, it, the the playing field is finally going to be leveled, and we have to respect that.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want I want to just spend a second to let everybody know. You had mentioned it earlier about the community health center. Talk to us a, l- a little bit about. What's at the community health center? Who's it open to? How how can residents in this community come to it? Or,
0: yeah, we're we're excited. It's a tri party partnership between uh, NCCI, which is the community organization in the Northwest community, uh, the uh, College of Nursing of FAU, and then Tab Learning Center, which is one of our uh, nonprofits. And together, uh, there's a board the FAU Northwest Community Health Alliance that oversees the board. We provide all services, and, uh, you know, it's not a free clinic, mm-hmm. but we don't turn anyone away. And so uh, we're in the process of really trying to build it up. We, we received a very unique designation. We are a lookalike by the federal government by hersa okay. which means that when they open up the trough again we'll be eligible to really get major funding
1: how does, how does how does a resident in in this community in West Palm Beach and all around how do they get in contact well, how do they how call. do they find information they
0: call call there's a number uh, which I don't have in my head uh, but there's a big banner on the on the outside and if they call the church they'll give them the number uh, we have a lady that's putting up billboards on the bus stops. Uh, You might might know Joy Caldwell. Yes. She got a grant, and they're going to be putting uh, billboards around the city. Can they
1: get that information at the Tabernacle website?
0: Uh, Yes. Okay, good. In fact, uh, yeah, it's there. Or You can call us at 561-832-8338, and we'll be happy to give you information.
1: Very good, very good. Last question, sir, and this is one that we end up. What is next for Gerald? (laughs) (laughs) What is next for Gerald?
0: Uh, Well, it's whatever the Lord directs me to do, you know. I'm just continuing to do what I do as long as I can and uh, try to help people, try to put things together, Uh, try to leave a legacy for my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids to know that uh, their relative tried to help somebody, try to do something good.
1: Very good. Thank you, sir.
0: Thank you. All right, Patrick, what's going on with the Urban League, man?
1: Well, update me. We are still trying to enroll residents in the health care. If you're looking for health care, please call the Urban League at 561-833-1461, and we can help assist you to get health care coverage. I have some housing available, um, a a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath unit. So we'll be available on uh, May 1st. Uh, Give us a call if you're interested in affordable housing. One of the big things that I'm looking forward to, Trey, is our Mm -hmm. financial education seminar. All right. Which will be on April 25th. It'll be a virtual seminar on financial education. If you're interested, again, call the Urban League at 561-833-1461 or go to our website at ulpbc.org, and you can get more information about that um, financial education seminar. And, Trey, we are three weeks, three weeks away from our big gala, our big Uh, 50th anniversary uh, featuring the one and only Kenny Lattimore for our entertainment. And we are quickly, quickly selling, uh, getting close to being sold out. So if you are interested in joining us, and I hope that all of our community residents are interested in joining the Urban League to celebrate 50 years of service here in Palm Beach County, I promise you we will have a great time at our 50th anniversary gala on Friday May 12th. All right. All right. There it is. They need to contact you. Give them that number again. 561-833-1461. Or go to our website at ulpbc.org. It's South Florida Sundays. I'm Trey Brazier, Patrick Franklin. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week.